0: Hello and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. I'm Jeff Hopkins and I'm joined by my good pals. They are so... Shit, I'm such an idiot. Bop, 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 bop. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. I'm Jeff Hopkins and I'm joined by my good buddies, Richard Manfredi Hello. and Michael Winfield. Howdy. Individually, they are Richard Manfredi and Michael Winfield. Collectively... They are the two guys who I uh, run roughshod over during the Mount Rushmore podcast, which is a podcast where I act as judge and jury while Michael and Richard argue about four things that best represent a certain topic. And this time around, the topic that Richard chose is horses. Richard, explain it. Explain it, please. I I, I
1: don't know. I don't really have a connection to horses. I never had a horse, rode a horse, anything like that. I do like going to... Santa Anita. Go you bet, bet the ponies. On, bet on some ponies every once in a while, as Michael's been to a couple of times, I think.
2: Uh yeah. We went there for, for my birthday one For year. your birthday. And that's where uh Emily and I bet on zombie to win. <laughs> we put we each put down like twenty bucks. And um and with our winnings, we bought uh, a wine aerator and some bowls from uh from Bed Bath and Beyond. Yeah. See guys, this is what betting on horse racing can do for you.
0: <laughs> well uh Horses uh, as depicted in literature, in fiction, just about anywhere or oh, in reality. Real ones, yeah. So we can uh, get started. Richard, do you want to give honors to Michael since you picked it?
1: Yeah, I will go ahead and uh, bump and set
2: for him to spike. All right. Uh, my uh, four categories this week are mythology, racing, fictional, and science.
0: Mm. Categories.
2: Categorylicious. Well, you know. Uh, so first one is the Trojan horse. Also on my list. There you go. Oh, right. Uh, AKA the big wooden horse from the uh, end of the Trojan War. Yeah, it led to the end of the, end of the Trojan
1: War. It Is was this, the uh, the Trojan bomb that got dropped on Was them. that a <laughs> real
0: thing or just a Greek mythology thing or a fiction thing or something?
1: It's a Greek mythology thing. They they actually think it may have been based on the use of a battering ram that may have looked like a horse. And so the story may have been conflated over time Yeah, as these things happen.
0: Well, what do you dig about uh, this Trojan horse?
2: In the original story um, Wait, are we talking about the the malware? (laughs) Antivirus? (laughs) The virus thing? Um, In the uh, original story uh, the Trojans uh, they're like, hey, let's pull a fast one. Oh no, the Greeks. The Greeks pulled a fast one on the uh, Trojans where they're like, let's build this giant horse and then get the F out of town. And uh, secretly, they hid a bunch of uh, of the Greeks or uh, inside the horse. Forty of their best. Yep, and uh, left it as like tribute. And they left one of their one of their losers behind. Yeah, like their worst the worst Greek they left behind. They're like let him the tell the com- story. They're like the comedic like uh, <laughs> the the comedic uh, relief.
0: Jerkophilus, I think
1: was his <laughs> yeah, name. Yeah, pretty much.
2: <laughs> and uh, then. Uh, the Trojans are, like, stupid. They're like, hey, let's bring that thing inside, guys. Yeah.
1: Should hey, we look and see what's
2: in here?
0: feels nah. kind of
1: heavier
2: than it should.
0: <laughs> it feels like 40 men are in here and 40 swords. And it smells like sweat and human feces. <laughs> nah, <laughs> there's nothing weird about that.
1: No, that's cool. Pretty much everything, I think, back at that time smelled like sweat and <laughs> human feces, though, so to be
0: fair. So we think of like horses as being clever and loyal, and here's a horse that was actually the shape of this, this thing that was ultimately yeah. an incredibly incredible military coup. I do like uh, reading some of the, the, you know, kind of the backstory. Like a couple
2: of people, a couple of the uh, Trojans warned against it. Uh, one of them, uh, Cassandra, who is the daughter of the king. Yeah. I guess Princess Cassandra. I guess that she, uh, she ha- it was like gifted the power of foresight, but then because all like Greek myths, they're like all dicks. Yeah, she course. was also gifted the power of no one to believe her. <laughs> <laughs> well, because she was gifted the power of being
1: female, That's so true. therefore oh, yeah. all the Greeks were just mans mansplating to her. <laughs> no, no, I I understand, honey, but let me tell you how war really works. You wouldn't just you know have a, a big horse that you would put people in. That's silly.
0: So, Richard, what do you? What made you pick this?
1: Well, I, I think I picked it because. I, I think, like Michael, it's just such a stupid thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I do like the fact that they left somebody behind to kind of be like, hey guys, uh, by the way, they just stranded me here because they all hate me. So I guess it's re- I guess you guys know that they really left and aren't in that big horse. So just here because, like, they left him there and they, like, put out all their tents and all the fires and everything. Yeah, basically, it just left him there as, like, human fodder.
2: Mm-hmm. So it. I like that they left him to tell this, to sell to sell them on it. Maybe yeah, he was really like was. maybe he was like the best Greek salesman, where yeah. it's just like, okay, this is what I got for you guys. <laughs> I got this big horse, and obviously it's a you know it's a token to Athena, and you guys love th- Athena, and you guys love horses. Yeah. So come on, what are we gonna do? But to I gotta, what, what I gotta
1: do to get you into this horse? <laughs> I mean, no, not I mean, into the horse. No, <laughs> no, don't go into the horse. You can't go into the horse. No reason, just can't go into it.
0: Oh. So Richard, why don't you give us your second pick, I now, guess? No, my second pick.
1: Okay. Um, I am also in the racing mm, and I am wow. going with Secretariat. Uh, also
0: on my list. Holy smokes.
1: And we might have we're, are, are, we're halfway to a perfect game. I don't know if we're supposed to talk about this or not. We'll, we'll
2: let Vince Scully come in here and, and <laughs> He'll shut talk the table. about it. He doesn't care. Yeah. Why did you pick Secretariat? So Secretariat, probably the AKA Big Red. Yes. Probably the uh, greatest
1: racehorse of all time winner of the 1973 Triple Crown and didn't just win, but actually set track records or to set records for each of the three events that have yet to be broken. Mm-hmm. So he's pretty much the most dominant racehorse of all
2: time. Also, like, I guess maybe nothing was really happening in 1973 because this horse was on, like, Time, on the cover of Sports Illustrated. They just had horse Hus- fever.
0: Hustler magazine, <laughs> in the yeah. beaver hunt section of – that's, oh, that's <laughs> terrible.
1: Um, they, yeah, yeah, because what, uh, what else was happening in 1973? Uh, you could see the Time Magazine. All right, I got this Watergate thing we could write about. Now, what about this horse? Yeah. It's a big horse. Have you seen? Look at this fucking thing. It's a big horse. Um, yeah, I mean, the m- most famously known, I think, for the 1973 Belmont Stakes that he won by 31 lengths. Holy smokes. Which. In actual terms, basically meant when they showed the shot of him on TV going down the front stretch, the other horses literally weren't even in the shot. Um, Jockey actually turned around to look back at one point and said he got scared with how
2: far far ahead he was. was. He
1: beat the track record by two and two fifths of Mm -hmm. a second. Which and usually these are beat, The track records are beaten by like a fifth of a second. Hmm. Wow, just How d- crushed.
0: How was his reputation changed after he challenged Billy Jean King to a horse? <laughs> well, race? they think
1: they think he might have taken a dive. There was a there was He's a, a sudden, diving horse too. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't read that about him. There was, Paul Disney. There was, a, so there, was a, there was a sudden surge of oat uh, oat pricing that uh-huh. did. People think there was a big delivery of oats to him right before the match. So, no, he uh when he died, they actually when they did an autopsy on him actually found out his heart was two and a half times the size of a regular horse that's an autopsy (laughs) but heart was perfectly fine it wasn't like that's what killed him or anything just a big old heart just had a had a had a motor that was significantly bigger um the one story that i heard on the espn sports century they did on him which was pretty controversial they named him as one of the top 100 athletes of the 20th century. Zero
2: women on that list as well, which is even more insulting.
1: (laughs) Yeah, just all horses. Um, But there was a sports broadcaster and writer who was talking to Jack Nicholas about it. Jack Nicholas said, well, were you there at at the Belmont? He said, yeah, I was there. Jack goes, well, I was sitting there by myself watching it, and as he was coming down the front stretch, I just started crying, and I, I don't know why he did that. And the writer kind of looks at him and goes, well, Jack, don't you get it? Your whole life, you've been trying to achieve perfection on the golf course, and you'll never achieve that. Like, it'll just never happen. What you saw was perfection.
2: Oh. So, yeah, I mean, he pretty much was more or less the perfect
0: racehorse. Mm-hmm.
2: What do you think yeah, but how does he compare to Amazombie, who uh, <laughs> won me 140 bucks and a new set of bowls? That's true. How many how many bowls has a secretary ever bought for you?
0: <laughs> Zero bowls. Unlike uh, um, secretary Amazon could be purchased as a saddle or like a handbag after the race. They immediately <laughs> that's true. Put her down. This. What else did you, did you have? Something that really compelled you to pick secretary, Michael? No, other than just the
2: historical nature of it. Like I looked yeah. at other different. Like I thought, well. You know, uh, American Pharaoh did something, you know, also won the Triple Crown. That's right. uh, Over a longer period of time between, like, I guess it was 25 years between there was a Triple Crown winner and um, Secretariat, Secretariat. Mm -hmm. and then, like, every couple years after that, there was a Triple Crown winner. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then that kind of stopped in the mid-70s or, like, the late 70s. Yeah, like, 78, I think. So, like, I guess there's, like, a, a historical significance to just how good this horse was. I mean, right. it's like the Michael Jordan of horses yeah. or the... Well, who was yeah, the jockey?
0: Oh, uh, um, Ron Turcott. See, I think what makes this subject compelling, and I hope the listeners agree with this, is that horses have an uh, incredible amount of lore regarding their relationships that they're available, able to make with human beings that other animals just really can't and how...
1: Is this a w- Catherine the Great reference,
0: by the way? <laughs> no, it's not. No, no... Um, un- in carnal interaction implied but the idea that uh... horses are uh... very intelligent they're very loyal then they're kind of lived to please somewhat and that here is secretariat this animal that is being probably pushed farther than he would he wouldn't get on a track and run it if he wasn't asked to do so by a jockey and wasn't trained to do so by a team of people and the relationship between people and horses is i think one that's very compelling and one that's easy to kind of add into literature and tell stories about so horses actually naturally
2: run clockwise so is them that right? run, so them running counterclockwise, counter-clockwise. on a, on a track uh, no
1: of course not <laughs> well no but in south america when they race them they that's go right, the other
0: direction. <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh, we have each looks like we've each gone to our second have we not yeah okay Michael
1: for his third coming up
0: all right well this is halftime and I'm going to ask you to be a loyal person be a good horse be a loyal person to us at the Mount Rushmore podcast and go online to iTunes and give us a rating and a review that's a great way for other people to find our podcast and then go join us out on social media we got the Facebook we got the Twitter we even have um instagram and interact with us out there the best thing you could do is even tell us what kind of show subjects you would like to hear and give your opinion on our opinions debate us online let us know what you think about the subjects we've chose and what your selections would have been so coming out of the intermission we are going to start up again i guess michael would you start with your third sure no. yeah we're in the back stretch now the back stretch okay turns. all right yeah.
2: Uh, My fictional choice is the miniature horse, Little Sebastian. Oh, that's pretty good. (laughs) From Parks and Rec. That's pretty good. I love it. Okay, good. So we're not – we're splitting off here, so we're good. Yeah, forked. Little Sebastian is a, I guess, celebrity du jour of the small town of Pawnee, Indiana, uh, from the NBC show Parks and Rec. What I liked about this horse is that everybody liked this horse and loved this horse. And this was the biggest – the biggest, littlest thing mm. in their town, yeah. and um, I think it was in season two or season three. They just kind of randomly introduced this horse, Sebastian. and every like for the harvest festival, and uh, everyone went.
0: Crazy. Ladies and gentlemen, the world famous Lil Sebastian. What? Yes. No. The big no. one. Oh my God! Oh my God! I never oh thought I get to meet him.
2: It's him. <laughs> yeah. him. Well done. Sebastian. And even well like done. the super stubborn. Uh, tough guy Ron Swanson, Love like the horse, just yeah. he like he turns into like a seven year old girl, just like making these cute noises at like this tiny horse. And um, does
0: the Adam Scott character get it? I remember one episode where he kind of pretends to, and he does a take to the camera. And...
2: He well, he's like the outsider that's coming yeah. into the town, uh-huh. and uh, he was the one that kind of had the outsider perspective, being yeah. like, I don't understand. Um, what's going on? And of course, you know, Leslie, Leslie, no poo. And all of them were just like, he's like, what, what can that horse do? And they're like, he can do everything.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What I love about little Sebastian is, is he, he bears the goodwill, the random, I'm little Sebastian is obviously probably a, a cute little horse, um, but they act like he is just this miracle of, of creation. And it's kind of opposite to Jerry, that character, who is – Jerry's the <laughs> nicest guy on the planet, but he gets crapped on by everybody. Who, Barry? <laughs> Larry? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the
2: show writers were talking about how I guess it's a pretty – like they wanted for like this Harvest Festival. They, mm-hmm. they had to come up with a character, and they – I guess in small towns, there's often like one person that either comes out of the town that's the biggest thing or – Or there is, like, the celebrity that still lives in the town that everyone knows. Yeah. And they uh, read a story about uh, or saw a documentary or a little thing about a tiny horse named uh, Einstein and had this sort of same sort of, like, celebrity imbued within its tiny horse
1: body. So is that kind of like on, uh, oh, what was the uh, My Name is Earl? Then they have the guy from, like... They had like a local celebrity in there, didn't they? That was like in the bar occasionally. It was like a, an actual celebrity. It was a dick night. Oh, gosh. I'm I totally blank on this. We'll edit this out because I've just <laughs> derailed this. So boop, boop, boop. Um,
2: they did what was also pretty fun or interesting about Little Sebastian. He was only around for like eight episodes because eight episodes after they debuted on the Harvest Festival, they killed him off because mm-hmm. they needed like some big emotional event that was going to take down the entire town or affect everyone. They thought, well, we'd kill off the mayor, but no one really cares about the mayor. He died last night. No! But we can take comfort in the fact that he's in heaven now, doing the two things he loves doing the most, eating carrots and urinating freely.
1: When I walked in this morning and saw the flag was at half-mast, I thought, all right, another bureaucrat ate it but then I found out it was little Sebastian
2: and it was like well one of the writers was like well we little Sebastian they, lo- they loved it yeah and um you know there's a huge uh, obituary written by <laughs> Leslie Nope, where uh she talks about how perfect he, he was and the owners like the, the two owners was like when the guy said uh, uh you know I love my wife but I loved little Sebastian <laughs> <laughs> um
0: All right, Richard, do you want to jump in with your third? Bye-bye, Lil' Sebastian.
1: Should we mention the song that that, that is sung in the Lil' Sebastian's honor?
0: Yeah,
2: bye-bye, Lil' Sebastian. So good. good. Bye-bye, Lil' Sebastian. Genuine to come out yeah, and to do a version of uh, Pony and, <laughs> and claim that it was about <laughs> little Sebastian. <laughs> so stupid. I love it. Okay, uh, Richard, uh, what's your third? Oh, so my third,
1: I am also going in the um, TV slash film route. Except I'm going to and
2: I'm actually also going with death. So There's a little bit of a horse death theme going on here. Oh, th- throughout the entire, in- like when I was looking through my notes and everything, it was like there's like a little obituary or a death. Note written on everything, and I was like, "Oh, that's kind of sad." That's kind of kind of so yeah. I'm kind dark. I am
1: not going with the horse that gets his head cut off in The Godfather, but <laughs> I am going with Artax, the horse from Never Ending Story. All oh, right, that is this most depressing, awful will ruin your childhood and give you like you know nightmares and a and a you know behavioral problems for the rest of your life.
2: What's the matter? What's wrong? Come on, boy. What's the matter? Does your daughter... uh Is she into so gymnastics? Not really. She dances. I, she I, thought she, I thought she was, but maybe I was... I, so I used to go to a gymnastics... Here in LA, this place called uh, Gymnastics Olympica. I was up in like Van Nuys and I went there with my cousin. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And one night they had like a sleepover. And at the sleepover, they played the never ending story. And as soon as you get to like the sad death scene of Artax, yeah. Was it Artax? Yeah. It was just like, you could just hear weeping. <laughs> all seven to 11 year olds are all just in sleeping bags crying in this massive gym (laughs) Good night,
1: everybody and then they turned off the lights (laughs) no I we have purposely wanted to know watching uh, showing our kids never ending story because it's you know you know Vivian she is very attached to animals and very emotional and it would be a goddamn train wreck Mm -hmm. if we even even if we told her ahead of time how it ends and everything else because literally the horse drowns because it is too sad because it has gone through the pits of sadness or whatever it is it is literally this metaphor for depression that sounds suicide. like my
2: life oh Jerry Orbach uh-huh. came back in here from Law and Order <laughs> Um, there there was a rumor that went around
1: for a long time that the horse actually died in the making of it not oh, true not true no now, now there were a lot of cats and dogs that died making Milo and Otis, but that's a, that's actually true. <laughs>
0: Milo and Otis, you can just uh, tell let's go on a, a handler this. right off the screen, tossing a cat. <laughs> right, <into the> frame. <laughs> it's like that Disney
1: like Lemmings movie that they did back in the fifties, where they're actually it's like one of the educational ones. Really? They were just tossing lemon, lemmings. Just shucking lemmings. Yeah, because they wanted to show the lemmings go off the side of the cliff, but they yeah. actually don't really don't do, do that. that yeah. so they literally had somebody just throwing lemmings off the side of a cliff.
2: Was Milo and Otis the one that had the voiceover? deadly Dudley Moore. By Dudley
1: deadly, Moore. Okay, yeah.
0: My love, that is. Yeah. <laughs> going Have to lo- take
2: a walk outside
1: today. Going love to see movie. what we can find. That one, yeah. This is getting we're so this, We spiraled away. But the point <laughs> is, Artax, that's a that's about the saddest scene in all of... Mm-hmm. The 80s had a lot of, like... They just were determined in the 80s to fuck you up as a kid. <laughs> yeah. And this was the one that probably was, I think, for a lot of people, the worst.
0: Is, is it true that, that we're more severe, or do you think we just live in a time where people are afraid of the emotions of children to the point where they think kids don't have an emotional capacity to deal with loss other than like nemo's family getting murdered in the first act right. of the disney movie i don't know because you know my daughter
1: plays these games like minecraft where things die all the time mm-hmm. but i think it's different when it's like this
0: uh, eight bit bricky
1: yeah sort of thing. exactly versus i mean no we didn't cry when mario died if we lost a life, no. well, well, most of us didn't. Some <laughs> okay. of us didn't,
0: but I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm really not sure about that. It's a good point. You weren't, you weren't hardened by an overnight experience at a gymnastic Olympia. No, uh, I. With a Russian coach who just.
1: <laughs> I was I was hardened by you ex- sleep now horse dead we eat in morning I was I was hardened by a gymnastics experience but it wasn't there you know what I mean
0: <laughs> Okay, so uh, you've been both on your third michael give us your fourth choice science you know you brought up smart horses earlier
2: how oh, yeah. they have an intelligence to them mm-hmm. not really oh sorry <laughs> we're going to talk about clever hans <laughs> the german horse the german counting horse ah okay um so clever it's, hans it
0: seems like like a guest on the tonight show <laughs> ed Who's this Who's up tonight? Clever Holmes, <laughs> clever and Holmes, Sandy, the we're... counting
1: horse. Uh, Joan Embry will come out
2: and... uh, ran- randomly. Uh, quick, Jack, randomly. I was watching an Elvira on the Tonight Show with uh, David Brenner. Wow, was he unfunny? What? Wait, wait, wait.
1: What happened with that whole sentence? I don't know. Wait, you were watching what? How like, were on, you oh, watching? I'm sorry, on like oh, on YouTube. Will, oh, Andy okay. like, Carson
0: to
2: Tonight Show. I, I was reading something yeah. about Comic Con, and they're talking about Elvira, yeah, and then she was appearance. she was on. Uh, uh, and she was on like an an you know an episode of the Tonight Show, but yeah. it wasn't it wasn't Johnny on there, and right. it wasn't yeah. uh, who used to fill in for Johnny It was David Brenner, and then well, they have Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers, yeah, and it's, and she made a joke about Joan Rivers, and then Yul Brenner or Yul Brenner, so to to <laughs> welcome to the Tonight Show, I'm Why dead come, now, please don't <laughs> <smoke>. be done. <laughs> it was just so awkward and weird, and there's just like wow, TV was so. Bad, yeah, in the '80s. Well, I mean, yeah,
1: because they show the Tonight Show now on because we don't have cable, so we have the over yeah. the air, mm-hmm. and they they've started showing the reruns of the old '80s Carson shows, hmm. and I'm like all excited to watch. This is great. My wife apparently doesn't like Carson very much, and I started watching an episode, and I was like, this is really painfully unfunny. Yeah, this whatever skit they were doing mm-hmm. was just like. Floyd R. Turbo. Oh, is, something really bad.
0: Is, are the Carsons that we see the best of? So I, one thing, what was it called? The, the Golden Age Syndrome, where uh, in architecture, people, people think that old buildings are all beautiful. No, the bad buildings were all torn down. So if you look at the best of Saturday Night Live, the best of Johnny Carson. That's really interesting. Yeah, you, you see... You see that that's just that, the best of. You don't see the worst things (laughs) that that happened all the time. So I think it was a 90-minute show for so long. So 80 minutes of that is going to be really boring. (laughs) And what I love about old Carson is seeing him in a wide lapel leisure suit smoking and drinking. Oh, sure. Yeah, (laughs) of course.
1: All right, back to the counting horse. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, back
0: to the 19th century and uh, Wilhelm
2: uh, von Austin, uh, who was a German— uh, Scientist, uh-huh. I guess he was really into uh, phrenology and into animal intelligence. And uh, he wanted to test how intelligent, you know, animals could be. Could they learn how to communicate or learn how mm-hmm. to do math? And so he would, he would do experiments with a cat, a bear, and a horse. Well, that's scientific. And the cat and the bear were like, no, <laughs> I'm a cat. Fuck you. And yeah. the bear is like, I'm a bear. I'm a bear. Equally fuck you. Right. But the horse uh, did show some level of intelligence and uh, he would, he thought he could teach it how to count. So he would give it like a, you know, rudimentary math problems and equations and, you know, all within like, you know, 10 numbers and it would be able to stomp its foot Mm -hmm. and get the correct answer. And he went around for like years like pushing this, like, I have this amazing horse. Um, you know, the New York Times did, like, a big article on it, and, like, they'd kind of go around to, like, traveling shows where he had this clever Hans, the smartest horse in the world, and then the German Board of Education got involved, and they're like, let's study this thing for real, and they kind of discovered that um, what was happening was the horse would be stomping its foot in approval of, but be, it would be watching his owner's Facial expressions, expressions, or whatever. Expressions. Oh. And so they kind of ultimately debunked it when, uh, if he, like, they'd start asking a question uh,
0: that he didn't know the answer to. So he couldn't. He s- couldn't transmit. Yeah. And so like, if he was nodding imperceptibly, the horse picked would pick it up or something.
2: And it went down from like 89% accuracy uh-huh. to zero. So was
1: it like he was doing this did, did did Wilhelm know that he was doing this or was it more no kind no of no a... it
2: was it was subconscious on his part that's crazy and it was subconscious you know the horse just is just responding and uh, eventually it was it kind of it created the syndrome of or I I guess the what's the term let me see if I can find the term Cle- it's the clever Hans effect where you're looking for a result and you're kind of willing to look past all of the evidence that it's a horse of course it can't t- oh, okay. count can't yeah. count um eventually the horse died because it was uh, in cuz it the, entered into service in world war 1 and is either shot or eaten
0: <laughs> oh my gosh probably both I, I imagine the sad day when clever hans is painted in big red letters on the side of his little paddock and then somebody comes up with a line to, has to line <laughs> through the word clever and hans just hangs his head <laughs> nah, i'm just normal hans sad now. Okay, uh, what's your fourth, Richard?
1: So my fourth one. And by the way, one horse we didn't mention, unless you were planning on mentioning it, Jeff.
0: Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh, that's oh, that's, that's mean. so
1: mean, Mr. Ed. Oh yeah, we didn't. Neither of us picked him. You know why I didn't pick him? Because it's a god awful show. <laughs> I actually tried watching a couple episodes just yeah. to get a little bit of a sure. idea, even from like an early to mid '60s sitcom. Yeah. It's really bad, and that's the thing. It was like it ran until like sixty six. Mm-hmm. Sitcoms had gotten a little bit more advanced by oh, sixty six. Yeah. yeah, you watch that thing, and it looks. You feel like it should have been made like nineteen forty eight or mm-hmm. something like that with the humor that they use. NBC is doing a reboot called Doctor Ed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> super dramatics. Right.
1: He can count, <laughs> and uh... I think Shonda Rhimes is uh, getting that on for ABC. So
0: <laughs> was that part of because the, there were a. There was a guy at CBS who came in and he was renowned for canceling all of the hayseed shows and the dumb shows. And I remember there was a string of them starting with actually fairly intelligent um, Andy Griffith show, but that spawned Beverly Hillbillies and Gomer Pyle, USMC, and all these Petticoat Junction. And then if this is a show like Mr. Ed or, or was that categorized with some of the Supernatural I think it was, shows? I think that's different. Supernatural. Oh, <laughs> well, there was things like Bewitched. <laughs> or My Mother the Car. I mean, yeah, My Mother the Car. Was that the one that uh, I guess... Uh, uh, Jerry Van Dyke was Jerry the, Van Dyke. Yeah. I remember reading Jerry Van Dyke Shows my mother the car, but turned down this thing called Gilligan's Island that he heard wasn't going to be very good. That
1: thing, bleh, <laughs> dump. Um, actually, it started off as a syndicated show. By the way, it was one of the few oh, shows wow. that start off syndicated and then got picked up after, which is just oh, that's fascinating. Weird. Yeah. So I did not pick that. Um, instead, I picked Trigger. Okay. Worry uh, Rogers' horse, perhaps at one time the most famous horse in the world, um, appeared with him in pretty much all of his movies. Um, was, actually, originally a horse named Golden Cloud.
2: Yeah, they they had to they had to workshop that down yeah. in San Diego. They're like <laughs>
1: that name. There. That name's not gonna fly. It's too many syllables. What do? You, what can we do? What's something everybody knows? Guns. Okay, what can we call him? Gunny. No, Guns? that's not
0: gonna work. Shooty. The, the bullet horse.
1: So we were talking about smart, clever horses, if mm-hmm. you will. He was actually a. Uh, a horse that had been rented out from a, you know, I guess like a, what do you call it? Like a movie house where they train horses. And they went to Roy Rogers and said, okay, pick one of these five. This will be your new horse. He picked this one. Turns out this one was incredibly smart. He was, he learned over 150 trick cues. So if you could tell him, give him a, a cue, he would do a certain thing. They actually ran out of things to teach him how to do. Um, he could walk, allegedly walk 50 feet on his hind legs.
2: He was house trained.
0: Wow!
2: He was. This is stuff I can't do. Can you imagine the dump that he took in in a toilet? That horse. (laughs) So strange. Or maybe he wasn't. Maybe he wasn't house trained, and that was just Roger's
1: excuse if he forgot to flush the toilet. (laughs) Dale Evans came in, and uh, horse.
2: Trigger came in here, you know. Oh,
1: Trigger! I told you to flush the toilet. Um, Yeah, he could. He could uh, sit in a chair. He could sign his name with an X. Do all these sort of things. and yeah, he was probably the most famous horse in the world until he, when he died, he was taxidermied and put up in the Roy Rogers Museum, which used to be up in Victorville. Now they moved it to Branson. But I, can you guys explain taxidermy to me? Not how it works, but the, it, that's the creepiest fucking thing ever, right?
0: Yeah, it's up there. It's pretty weird. I think there's also, it's must be something like other art that amateurs practice as well as the professionals. So when you see some off- brand taxidermy nasty looking stuff oh
1: yeah there's a website i think it's i don't know if it's tumblr or a website it's just like bad taxidermy it's just nothing but photos of like these really awful taxidermy i gotta
0: say though i understand the impetus think of how how much of a relationship you develop with this creature that has a lifespan a fraction Mm -hmm. of your own as a kid i remember begging my parents to taxidermy our cat when it died and uh, they, they the, their wisdom was, was really displayed
1: then that they mm-hmm. didn't do it at all, went out. So it was, I mean, as a horse, it really kind of, in the movies, almost took on a character of its own. It was probably, arguably, I think, as popular as its quote-unquote own,
2: owner, mm-hmm. Roy was, Rogers. Uh, Trigger was never replaced with a different horse or anything like that. I think like later
1: that. on they started to use other Triggers, but for the most part it was, there was like a Trigger Jr. or something
2: like that. That was one of the weird things, I gotta say. Uh, when looking at like race horses. And like all of the breeding that's involved, I think breeding animals is really weird. I think like purebred dogs and pure like I get it, you're breeding a horse for a particular thing. What about purebred people? uh, That's even worse.
1: Oh, to get him started, Um, him and his eugenics. Okay,
2: but it's it's such a weird thing to be like, oh, this is his progeny, and here's Mm -hmm. the Dane, and just like all and like you know these horses, you know they go out to stud for the rest of their lives, like racehorses especially, right. For the sole purpose of potentially and like two hundred thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars to bang another horse. I mean <laughs> I don't think he gets any of that money. I'd bang a horse for two hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> tell you that right now. Ugh, but, uh, interesting that
1: you mentioned that because uh, Trigger was a stallion. Hmm. Never never had a progeny. No sires. No sires.
2: Hmm.
1: Gay little horse. Oh. I don't know. We can't say that. We shouldn't say that. May have just may have just been asexual. The Morrissey of horses, if you will. <laughs> Was he
0: not in love with Roy, do you think? They had that might have been like a very close relationship. Yeah. If you want to hear some of Roy Rogers stories, read the Burt Reynolds autobiography. Because he talks about hunting with Roy Rogers. <laughs> what? How Roy Rogers couldn't hit the side of a barn with a gun. And whenever he'd miss something, miss like a really easy shot or something, he would say... Uh, you know, that deer must not have seen any of my movies because obviously in his movies he can take one shot and sure, it knock down course. five cowboys. So,
1: so um, last thing about Trigger real quick. There is a, they made a, a big giant life-size bronze statue of him and it used to be like right in front of the museum and you could see it when you drove past. They made a copy of that, which is now the Bronco that you see when you go outside the Denver Broncos football stadium. Oh, that's So great. a little bit of history there. Hmm.
0: Okay, so we're about to the point where uh, I wrap things up by choosing one of these schlubbs' arguments as the argument that is most compelling to me, the judge. Uh, But before I do that, I usually give my Mount Rushmore choice, just one, not four, come on guys, and that choice this time around. So I was having a hard time making a choice because I've seen a lot of movies with horses and things depicted in it, but the one that's most compelling to me, the uh, fictionalized representation of a horse, I discovered a couple years ago when I got a Best of the Birds album and heard the song Chestnut Mare, which is a song written by Roger McGuinn and Jacques Levy, and was planned for a country rock musical called Gene Tripp, which I guess is Pierre Gantt, uh, spelled backwards or something like that. And when I do,
2: I'll give my hand. Well, I was up
0: on Stony Ridge after this chestnut mare been chasing it for weeks. Well, I'd catch a glimpse of her every once but in a Just while. But Chestnut Mare is a great song. You've probably heard of it. Many of our listeners have. I imagine we could put a link to the music video in the comment section. And like a lot of country songs about a horse, it really is a, a song about a person. And, and this is kind of a rom- romance song that's really kind of about a woman. And the singer talks about pursuing this horse. He's a clearly like a cowboy type, pursuing this horse and finally, and how beautiful the horse is, and finally kind of capturing and kind of a domesticating and befriending this horse. And one of the choruses, um, I'm going to catch that horse if I can. And, um, so it's, it's a song about heroin, is what you're saying, right? <laughs> Roughly. <Run the> horse. <laughs> um, I'm going to catch that horse if I can. Uh, we'll be friends for life i'll treat her like my wife so that sounds lurid as i'm reciting it but in the song it's really kind of a beautiful song and it usually brings me to tears when i hear it
1: so you would say it is a horse that does have a name right it's a horse not with no name yes it has a name by the way i just wanted to mention that so i could do the hacky 80s comedian what's the deal with a horse with no name (laughs) they were in the desert for so long they couldn't give him a name what
2: else were they doing I'm surprised you didn't go with the god-awful Adamant song. Why do girls love
0: horses? Oh, I never. Oh my them. gosh, <laughs> you're in for a treat. Oh <laughs> look, we got to put that in the comments too. Okay, so now, um, once again, these guys have made my. Uh, job really difficult because they've chosen two similar choices out of the four that they had to choose which uh, i don't know if you the listener think this show needs more conflict these guys are so much in agreement it's kind of crazy yeah I should, fuck you jeff i should have <laughs> chose a centaur
2: <laughs> i did think about pegasus uh i, I ran it around uh, the idea with some friends uh last night and one of them was was very adamant about seahorses Oh, oh, no. Seahorses. <gasps> they made for life. <laughs> oh, <God.
1: laughs> what about uh, What are the things they used to put like a little brine shrimp things that they would sell in the back?
0: Sea monkeys? Oh, that's for our monkeys episode. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> so now's the point where I, as the judge, get to choose a winner. There's air quotes around that if you didn't see or hear the air quotes when I raised my fingers in the air. Uh, and it's a really tough one because these guys have so much agreement. Usually when there are four picks, two of those four are the same. But Richard really nailed it home when he evoked the Artax. I mean, this is an emotionally impactful scene. Even Michael started crying when Richard said the word Artax. So that alone kind of helps uh, really bring up the reason why maybe Richard subconsciously chose horses as the subject for this Mount Rushmore podcast. They are beautiful animals. They evoke a lot of emotions in human beings. They have a lot of loyalty, and they have uh, long in literature been portrayed as um, friends to human beings and things like that. And, of course, anybody who's owned a horse or anybody who's been around them knows that when they pass, it's a loss almost as impactful as if you lost a family member. So, And they taste delicious, Oh, that's good. When you go From to I- what I hear. When you go to Ikea and you've made the rounds, looking at all the furniture, and then at yeah. the end, you go get those meatballs. Get me a little bit of horse. <laughs>
1: good way to end the weekend. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so that has been the Mount Rushmore Podcast. Uh, thanks so much for horsing around with us. I have been Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. Well, I blew a horse once in Cincinnati. <laughs> Don't put that Uh, in the funny pre- (laughs) I won't It's It's not good (laughs) It's not (laughs) funny Also not funny (laughs) You guys are assholes